I'm Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year is 2009. The album, Death of the Party, the artist Kyle Kinane, and my guest is Jesse David Fox. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, I promise I won't be wearing these headphones the whole time. It's, <laughs> no, it's awkward when only one of them's wearing them. Uh, we just here, here, guys, here's a real quick donate to the show, and I can have headphones for my guests. So there we <laughs> are. Uh, so... You picked. I'm, I'm glad that you picked something newer. It's harder to get, uh, harder to get. You know the newer albums on vinyl sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I lucked out today. I will point out that the very kind Dan Schlissel of of Stand Up Records sent me a ton of records, including this one. Knowing, by the way, that we were going to do this episode, yeah. so he's like, "Let me rush it out to you, yeah, so that you have it on nice vinyl." So it's very cool. Um, so I got to listen to it. The, the vinyl itself is gorgeous. Did you actually see the record? I'm not. I'm going to look. It's at it beautiful. Um, so this came out 2009. The yes. I think the vinyl came out in 2012, if I'm not mistaken. It says that on the back anyway. So when did you first hear it? I think you told me yes. you were at the party, right? Yeah, so I... Um, this, whoa. Isn't that this awesome? Is so cool. I've never seen anything like I don't that. Know you, it's almost like cooler than Kyle <laughs> would justify. No offense, it looks like a spin art. Yeah, it does. It does. But that's crazy. It's half, half white. And half like clear, but yeah. all in a spin art fashion. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I went to the release party mm-hmm. for it. It was um, I it, it wasn't like I did that on purpose. I had not heard of Kyle Kinane before the release party okay. of this. Which, to be fair, he had not released anything. Sure. I don't think he even had TV credits at the point at that point. So I um was just going to Comedy Death Ray. Okay. Be- which before it became Comedy Bang Bang, and we're talking about the the live show, not the radio, not the right, podcast. right. Um. And that was my second comedy death ray. I, to back up, I was um I've lived in L.A. at that point only like, let's say three or four months. Okay. To work in the music business, and I made a friend who was like, "Oh, you should come see comedy with me," because I like I'm trying to work in the comedy business, and there's like lots of good comedy right now. Uh huh. And he took me to comedy death ray, and it was the Halloween show. And. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. Comedy is very good. Uh-huh. Um, I remember uh, John Daly and Brett Gilman were hosting in character mm-hmm. as uh, the characters they do on the Comedy Death Ray, Comedy Bang Bang podcast. And Hannibal Burst was the first comedian. And I'd never seen Hannibal before. Man. And he told one joke. And it was like a light switch where I'm like, oh, I guess I'm just going to see comedy like <laughs> every week for the next like now seven years. Holy shit. Um, and then Kyle was either t- next week or two weeks after and he was doing he was hosting Comedy Death Ray as a release party. OK. Um, and he was so funny that I bought the record at the release party, uh-huh. which I I almost never buy. And, you know, it's CDs at the time. I never almost never buy CDs. But, I you know, I. I was new to LA, so I had a CD player. Sure. Um, and he did a bit that was that of the times I've seen Kyle Kinane, which is probably more than most comedians. He he can make me like almost like I it's always crying laughing at a point or like <laughs> a couple times he's made me almost throw up from laughing. <laughs> but he had a he had all bit that he uh, stopped doing eventually, which was about he had a pizza menu. Uh huh. Um. 
and he just walked through the menu. <laughs> it's, it, it was, and I, I, I have since talked to him about it, and he goes, yeah, it's just like if I had to fill time, I'd just be like, oh, I got eight minutes. Let's see how I can make it eight minutes. <laughs> oh, I got my 15 God. Minutes. So the premise of the pizza menu was that there's larger and larger sizes of a menu, mm-hmm. and that was it. He was just imagining why someone would order a bigger size of a pizza. Uh, and I was like, this is so funny. I'm going to buy this guy's record. I hope it's good. And it was so good. Yeah. It really, I was just like, I tried to tell everyone almost immediately that I was like, there's this guy and he's doing comedy. <laughs> and I was trying to find YouTube clips with his early YouTube. So it's like bad yeah, quality. Yeah. Um, and again, he didn't have TV credits at that point. And it was like, there's three records that year, I think, that I became obsessed with them, just listened to over and over again. Mm-hmm. Partly because I had a car, and partly I it was this weird time where I would listen to the same album, comedy albums. Okay, month, sure. Which I feel like since I never do. Mm-hmm. This is definitely re-listenable too, though. I and I realized after listening to him, like, shit, I've heard this. Why don't I own this yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until today, why don't I actually own it? Because I really do love it. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it really is. I mean, like, as Kyle put it, I, I spoke to Kyle recently for, for my podcast, and he's like, yeah, just, like, everything I had for 10 years. I wasn't planning on putting out a record. Yeah. A special thing was, like, do you want to put out a record? And he's like, well, I guess I will. <laughs> oh, my God. He's like, I've never done an hour, really. So, like, right. I'll, so I'll just put everything next to each other. And he just, it. there's something about the perspective that he found in that record is to me, a, a perfect comedic perspective mm-hmm. and a unique comedic perspective. And the detail in which he writes the jokes is, like, really, I think, unparalleled yeah. in in this time. Yeah. And that is what makes him... that what well, That's probably what makes it so listenable. Sure. Where you're just like, the word choices that he uses <laughs> for no reason. Yeah, there's one bit that uh, I really wish if I, I didn't have brain... <laughs> because of my cold, yeah. uh, there's one bit he does where there's just this layer upon layer of adjectives yes. that I can't remember. Oh, damn it. This is so n- not helpful for anybody. But, you, I mean, you should listen to this album, but there is a bit where he d- he uses, like, three or four adjectives to describe this one thing, and it's just so perfect. Yeah, I mean, I remember there – I mean, there's so many, but there's mm-hmm. the uh, bit where he's talking about how people always are like – Oh, it must suck that you can't get Chicago style pizza here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he's describing what <laughs> it's like, and he's like, "It's something like, oh, Kyle, can't don't you hate that you can't get like a real Chicago style hot dog? Like what they think is a Chicago style hot dog is actually like a used Buick with like <laughs> Emily Dickinson books in the <laughs> trunk." It's like not only does it not have relish, but it's a bunch of books or something like that. Yeah. Or, like, yeah, and there's stuff, like, we'll be, like, I don't remember the exact words, but he'll be, like, um, he compares having a, uh art school degree to um, if instead of a parachute you had, like, a bag full of pasta <laughs> that someone just, like, slapped in there, like, lazily and hopelessly or something like that. <laughs> and that, like, those are the words that, like, that make it so... Um, such a such an interesting thing to listen to mm-hmm. and i just like could not get over how funny it was yeah and how um it was it was dark but also like very silly and very um 
smart in its own way, but stupid in its own way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big thing is that it's like so hopeful in the face of despair. Absolutely, yeah. And that is the thing that I always, and that's the thing that is Kyle. Like that's I think Kyle pioneered a certain tone in that way, mm-hmm. and is incredible at that. Like sort of like what the previous generation of comedians might have been more cynical about. Yes. Which is like everything sucks. Yeah. He takes that same things that are the everything sucks perspective and is like, maybe it's not so bad. Right. Right. It's like maybe there's this glimmer in it. Um, and that's still the thing that he's so good. At. Even, you know, like he's so prolific, partly because he has such a that one perspective and he can just live his life and constantly being like, well, what has this year been like? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. I mean, telling this entire story about having to go to the bathroom yeah. without once as as himself. With I don't even think he says that he has to take a shit. He waits <laughs> to use the word shit. Very, it's very delicate. Uh, he, he warns you this is not a graphic story, and it's yeah. not. It's just oh, that is like just a well told story. Yeah, you and, know. And it was at um, he, you know he's you know he at that point he's been doing comedy for ten years and. He's like he started as like a guy trying to write jokes. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's of the age in which a lot of those people are, where they're all trying to be Mitch Hedberg. Because mm-hmm. they're like, how do you write jokes? Oh, there's a certain formula that <laughs> Mitch Hedberg has, and the album starts with like, if you listen to it, like the first joke, he's like doing a Mitch Hedberg impression. Yeah, kind Just, of is. Yeah, it's like uh, uh, they say Kyle. You know, it's like that same <laughs> yeah. cadence that you can't like. Uh, you're a hero if you. Uh, you get a cat from a pet shelter, but but if, uh, if try to find a girlfriend from a woman shelter or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's that same cadence, and it's a, it really a lot of is, yeah. A lot of comedians that are around, I think like forty year old mm-hmm. guys, you'll like listen to their first stuff, and it's like Mike Rabelga straight do, straight up does oh, a yeah. Mitch Hedberg impression for his first two albums, because mm-hmm. um, it's impossible not to. And it's like, I think you know H- Hannibal's first record has like, it's like that same type of thing. Um, but then he he started later. He kind of figured out how to not even just tell stories, but like fill out space, mm-hmm. um, as he put it. I mean, now um, I don't know if you heard his most recent special, but he did like thirty minutes about gout. <laughs> yes, it's basically like a one man show. Uh huh. Uh huh. Like just he has a regular stand up, and then for the last thirty minutes, he does a one man show about having gout. <laughs> and I think that's now like. And it and it's why he's been able to. He's done three specials since 2012. He did two okay. in the last two years. Um, and yeah, that that the having to go to the bathroom story is like a perfect one of that perspective. Mm-hmm. Which he said, um, you know, I actually interviewed him yesterday, and there's the joke, um, which is the waking up joke, which is like you mm-hmm. ever you ever wake up in the morning and and now you you have like the misguided i uh, belief in believing in yourself or something like that yeah 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 um and then like you look at the clock and it says boo it's like eight <laughs> o'clock and it says boo. and he said once i wrote that joke i was like oh every joke is this joke from the rest of my career i'm writing this joke wow like if i start from this point this is like the word the voice i was told i was supposed to have mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and if you get a good one, there's like a certain amount of like endless ability that like a voice can bring you. Yeah, and and especially for him because he's just like his ability to be both loose and 
so specifically written is right like, is what is so special i think about it i know my limitations i know what i can get away with in this world that's that's just that's what you have to find out you know i know what i can do and what i can't do i know that i can effectively haggle down the price of a replica civil war bayonet at a swap meet <laughs> i can do that with confidence Nobody in here is going to be surprised if you see me about to get in a fist fight with the night manager of a red lobster over whether or not the moon landing was faked. You just eat your crab legs and be unflappable. It's to be expected. The exciting part about life is finding out what you can't do because you don't find out until you try to do something and you're stopped. What I can't do, as I found out with experience, was take off my shirt and look after two boys ages three and one. I had a family aquatic center in East Lansing, Michigan on a Tuesday afternoon. What's really fun to listen to about this is, yes, what kind of juxtaposes it, and it's also kind of fun to watch him perform, too, is that he also, speaking of Mitch Hedberg, sometimes has a, has a tendency to not even address the audience physically. Yeah. He seems to be looking off into the distance and yeah. doing his own thing. But in this, word choice is huge. Yeah. And, but at the same time, there's some times where he's either slipped up on a line or made a couple, but they're so, they, they lend so much to the, the telling of the story that it doesn't matter one lick. Yeah, I think he, uh, you know, there's a certain refinement that doesn't, would not make sense for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because like, you know, even on the back, the photo that's on the back is him holding a beer. Uh -huh. Um as he tells it, like, eventually... I think he said, like, he wrote that joke and he decided to grow his beard out or something like that. <laughs> like, oh, no, he said he bombed at uh, the Aspen Comedy Festival or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he's like, all right, I guess it's over. So then... I... <laughs> oh, no. And then he just, like, committed to being this guy. But, um... You know, it's... It's a... Uh, what I think it's actually, like, reflective of is... Uh, the idea that your dreams might not come true mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is is the funny thing that he taps into. And I always, um, it's a thing that I've always thought about, which is, um, I think probably everyone, young Gen X and probably through millennial, but I can't speak to young millennials, but I imagine it's the same thing, which is like, we're the generation that was like told you can do whatever you Absolutely. want. Absolutely. And yep. you do whatever your dream of doing. And, that is like not correct right like sometimes it is sure and i always think about like i and that was the case with me which was like i decided you know midway through like towards my late 20s like oh maybe i can be like a, a blogger and a journalist mm -hmm. um based on nothing other than like i thought i had a lot of opinions about things uh-huh and and that was kind of and i like doing it right? yeah um, and I got really lucky that I was correct. Yeah. Um, because I was never like a good writer growing up, but I, I, I thought my opinions were good enough and I could articulate them out loud mm -hmm. and I was not embarrassed to be bad at it for a while. And so it worked out, but I know people, you know, especially when I really focused on being like a comedy journalist, there was a time there's like a crop of people at like 
the first wave of like contributors to splitsider.com mm-hmm. that I was a part of, or maybe it was the second wave. And not all of us like made it. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. there's not tons of room to be a comedy journalist. Sure, sure. And um and I think you know, uh so I was right, but I see how easily I could have been wrong. Sure. Yeah. You know, if I was like slightly less funny and I'm not like super funny, but I can write funny enough that like I was able to be a like a blogger blogger. Yeah. Um and that kind of carried me through. But if I wasn't, I just I don't know how like I faked my way through a lot of it. Sure. Yeah, of course. And I think Kyle probably feels a similar way. It was like I could be a comedian. That'll pay me off. And he was correct, right? Right. Like, right. He's, he became the voice of Comedy <laughs> Central, and now that's like a career. Um, but so easily, you can see how it went wrong. And yeah. I think his comedy taps into that like real feeling that like we were told both that we could like believe in ourselves and our dreams can come true, and that that is like a better career option than like being just good at something uh-huh, uh-huh. which is like another harsh reality that i think a lot of people are now dealing with mm-hmm. at least i've seen with my friends where it's like as we get deeper into our 30s people like finally reach whatever the mountaintop they're at mm-hmm. and like oh no i don't like this <laughs> yeah and i and it's like such a specific field that i have no experience for anything else mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there is the uh the career path of doing something that uh, you dream of is like a, a a dangerous one in that regard. Yeah, um, it's funny. I saw Chris Rock recently, and he's just working on stuff right now. Mm-hmm. So he is bombing for an hour and a half. I tell the story like a million times, but it was <laughs> amazing to watch. Uh huh. Because I know he doesn't. I've seen Chris Rock bomb on essentially on purpose before, but this is okay. the longest. He's he showed up at the end of a set, at the end of like a show. Mm-hmm to like work on stuff and then an hour and a half passed of him just bombing wow and he had one joke that really worked which is like um he's he said like my he's like oh my friends tell their kids they can be anything they want they want Mm -hmm. and he's like no maybe if you're a white man but like probably (laughs) not so you could be anything you're good at Uh and he, he just rocked it and I think that's probably true. And yeah. I think like Kyle taps into that tension that I mm-hmm. think um, you don't, you know, that sort of like you don't see it with a lot of comedians um, wrestling with the idea that being a comedian is like just being like a creative professional. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and not being like, yeah, I think like a lot, most comedians treat being a stand up like being a rock star. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he treats it like being like a graphic designer. Yeah. And how it's still hard to like make it as a graphic designer. Yeah. I love that he uses the word craft. I, <laughs> I maybe not even talking about stand up, but he uses the word craft and he talks about like comparing what he does to like actual hard labor. Yeah. Uh and having done maybe a little bit of hard labor but sucking at it and knowing full well he did. Uh but like that's one thing that I really and maybe that's that's kind of the current that's there. There are two things. Well, a number of things, but like this this kind of hopeful realism yeah that's in there you know he's still of course very hopeful but he's still very realistic about it but there's also this whole thing that this is not some magical thing that was given to me yeah. by god yeah. like i had to earn this and also i hope i'm good enough to yeah. keep going and i you're right i mean i think that does kind of permeate a lot of comics who've come up since which is this yeah. is only this is less than 10 years ago but yeah it's crazy that it is still though you know when i 
picked it, I was like, it's probably recent. It's weird. And I was like, I guess that's eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a really long time. It is. It is, especially given how far he's come. Yeah. And I was just, and, you know, I used to feel a little bit insecure about how long I've been following certain comedy. You know, I've mm-hmm. always been into it, but I think like a lot of people, you didn't like know it was an option mm-hmm. to be a thing to be into because like, like comedy comedy nerd wasn't even like a word right until like six years ago yeah yeah so then you're just like oh i'll just watch comedy because it's funny and then Mm -hmm. that's the thing that i watch and so then and like i wasn't like following the alt scene like super closely like i like comedians but i don't think i like registered that like oh there's like a thing bubbling up yeah yeah the closest was when I was a kid in, in high school. I would use a fake ID to go to the comedy cellar. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Long Island, but I would use a fake ID to go to the comedy cellar. Um, and so I liked that, and that was like around the like tough crowd time. Mm-hmm. So like that was hot, and I kind of and I liked it because it was comedy. But then I think I got tired of it because it was like it really was like it was a club, mm-hmm. you know. And people are like there to crush, and they're doing the same jokes over and over again. Uh-huh. And and I get why you do the same jokes over and over again because it's good to it probably feels nice to do well uh-huh. and that that crowd is a lot of tourists or whatever and the same thing that happens with everyone probably like a lot of what alternative comedy was was a reaction against that and so when I said like when I went to those comedy death rays I was like oh this is not that like this is like you can feel this a joke that Hannibal wrote after dinner or whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He literally goes, I remember when I saw Hannibal at Comedy Death Ray, it was for Halloween, and mm-hmm. he does a joke about Paranormal Activity 1 or 2, whatever it was, where they put a camera on a fan, or on a moving, on a like a rotating fan. Okay. I haven't seen the movie, and he makes fun of that. Uh-huh. And he goes, all right, that's the end of my Halloween material. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, Scott. And I was just like, I didn't know that was allowed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then it was just really refreshing to, you know, I would go to Comedy Death Ray probably three times a month. Okay. And and then start listening to that podcast, and then, like, WTF was just starting. Okay. Uh, and it was just really refreshing to see, like, creating as kind of the in that sort of way, like trying to come up with something instead of like, um, I don't know. I think I've always been interested in the process in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think this generation, uh, this time period in comedy is like defined by like letting certain fans into the process. Mm-hmm. And like why I created a podcast was to do that to like the furthest extent yet available. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's like, I like to see, you know, I do like to see a person, a, a, an act evolve where like if you go to certain clubs you're seeing like an act as is sure um and kyle's always in the process of becoming like he like essentially um generates material until he's tired of it then he he hopes there's a special essentially as he he told me he's like he's like I keep on generating material and then i hope i have a, a taping booked otherwise i'm just going to not do that <laughs> those jokes anymore oh my god he's like it's never done. It's just whenever the recording is, I record it and yeah. then I move on because I can't um, do material that I've done for that long. Wow. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, anybody ever make that mistake like right when you wake up in the morning and you believe in yourself? 
I've been having the tendency to do that a lot lately. I, uh, I go to work every day. I work at, uh, work at 8 a.m. Well, that's my alarm clock goes off at 8 a.m. It's really 7.15, but 12 years ago, I thought I would trick myself. <laughs> my alarm clock goes off at 8 o'clock. Uh, I have a big digital alarm clock. I thought it would be louder and more effective. Uh, it's a big display. 8 o'clock on a digital alarm clock just looks like the word boo. <laughs> This is like Sanyo's trying to give you a preemptive thumbs down to your day before you can even get out the gate. And he has the ability to still feel like refined when he does that. Mm-hmm. Where um, I think the the opposite end of it is, you know, this was all of this was happening after Louis. Everyone should do a special every year. Uh huh. Uh-huh which I think was very bad for comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for most comedians, I think um, some people are exceptions and then it's, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of people were recording specials every year and like should not Didn't, have been yeah. recording specials yeah. <laughs> and that, And then as a result, it's made it so now there's a million specials every year. Yes, yeah. There was 90 or something like that, 100 last year. Oh, my God. And filmed, not recorded. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> Um, and now it's probably even more because Netflix is doing, I think, oh, one yeah. a week. Yeah, it's crazy. I feel like it works for something like Edinburgh where you're waiting to get recognized doing yeah. your hour every year. After that point, you're doing okay. Maybe you take a break. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but like, yeah, you're right. It's it's not for everybody. No, I think it's, uh, the idea of doing a new hour every year, it's, you know, I th- Jen Kirkman was saying that's like, George Carlin phrased it, which is like, you think of a special as not a special, but just like a check into like what my brain is thinking about yeah, this year. Yeah. And I think that only works for a certain type of comedian. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're doing observations or, or stories, hypothetically, you want kind of, you want to generate new life material and new perspectives. But, you know, if you're like a, you know, a person, it's almost essentially like if your comedy is character driven, but the character is like who you are as your true, like your actual self, mm-hmm. um, then you can maybe get get away with it just in so much as like it's like checking in on a TV show. Character. Sure, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it that <laughs> way, but yeah, I mean, as far as yeah, it's. What do you think if can you could you condense? Does he have an idea what his character is, or could you condense it into a sentence? Yeah, I mean, I think. You know, there's there's essentially like I th- I think actually there's two ideas of Kyle as a character, and I think one is the the shallow reading of it, which is um, like uh, like hipster Larry the Cable Guy or whatever, <laughs> which is okay. uh, I think he jokes people call him that, but it's like the uh, they the yeah you know, I'm just drinking beers mm-hmm. um guy <laughs> with a beard and like um and but I think the more the the character really is these sort of like um there's balance between hope and mis misanthropy is that how you would say it? you know because like the the record starts with him 
talking about a review of himself yes. in London, which is a very weird way of starting. He does the, the joke that he bails on about the woman shelter. Uh-huh. Then he talks about how comedy let him go to London, and they reviewed him as bleak and misanthropic. Yes, right. right. And that is a, I, I would say it's a fundamental misreading because I think he is a grump, but like a very hopeful. Grump. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... <laughs> But that he just uses that to set up the joke of uh, you ever get so lonely you sleep on your couch or <laughs> you feel like you're sleeping next to somebody or something. <laughs> so good. Also, I, I want to. I think like there's also really good. I like when he will use these diametrically opposed ideas of his personality, where he's like he, he at one point just fully calls out. What does he say? Uh, I can be I can be driving down the street with a friend and and see a, a truck showing oh, yeah, another yeah, yeah. truck and just think oh you know that could be a metaphor for you know power you know power and how even like the great pillars of power need support <laughs> every once in a while but uh, you know I'm just gonna say like hey look at those two trucks trying to fuck <laughs> yeah oh it's so good and I think the other part... I slaughtered that joke by the way yeah just I mean horrible. it's uh... <laughs> It's like, oh, that's a metaphor for, uh, yeah, how the, like, our heroes need help sometimes. Yes, right, right. There you go. Look at those two trucks trying to fuck each other. Mm -hmm. Um, There is, I think, what maybe is just, you know, I think he gets called a storyteller just because his bits are long. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has stories throughout, you know, this record. And then as he kept on doing longer sets, like, long things. Mm-hmm. And he's a bit of that. Um, because, like, you know, he has, uh, you know, the taking a shit story. Or sure. um, later he has the sitting next to a woman with a bag full of pancake story. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and the he has a few airplane stories. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but... I think if anything, his stories actually are feeding into more of a like a like flights of fancy in certain ways. Yeah. Okay. You know, like the 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 joke he ends up talking about on my podcast is the one where he just like wakes up in the morning and goes through his apartment, mm-hmm. and that is mostly just imagining things. It's not really a story, even <laughs> though like there's a beginning, middle, and end to it. It's he just like looks at a pile of laundry and thinks. This is what you'd think this, right? Uh-huh. And then he's like goes to his bathroom and he looks in a mirror and he thinks it's like, um, am I a Greek god? Where's the chisel? I was looking for the chisel, <laughs> but instead I found uh as always a garbage can overflowing with del, ta- del-, del taco wrappers. <laughs> but even that is a, like a beautifully painted image. Yeah. Um he's very good at these sort of um visual visuals that are like essentially metaphors for like whatever this character mm-hmm. is. Um so I can't remember what I was saying, but I do think it's it. I, and again, I haven't listened to George Carlin so long that I don't even know if this is true. But it it remind me of like the word brain dropping. Uh huh. Yeah. Which is like this is what my brain came up with. This like I essentially lived a year of my life, and my brain this stood out in my brain. Yeah. And some of it was true stories that happened where I was, you know, a, I went on at some point I went to the bathroom and you know, mm-hmm. um, there's this. The scumbag idea part of his character mm-hmm. wavers, right? I think the that part of it that and that's part in this record too. There's like the jokes about um, I don't look like a guy that can like be with kids alone at a pool. <laughs> right, right. Um, 
he has like two jokes in the similar vein, right? He has, I don't look like a guy that can be alone with two kids at a pool mm-hmm. on a Tuesday afternoon, and I think is how he phrased it. And he has a joke about how I don't look like a guy you'd leave alone with your kids, but I think they're actually like two completely separate jokes. You're right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so there are jokes like that, um, where he thinks of himself as a werewolf, like he woke <laughs> up in the morning and like Coors Light is the silver bullet. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, uh, you know, I think also on this record is like the Trader Joe's bit, which is like not a thing that he probably would do anymore, but it's uh-huh. so funny. Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and actually, I, f- I feel like that would be the kind of thing that would remind me a little more of like it, you're you're making me now just think of Carlin. So now <laughs> I'm wondering if there are comparisons to be had, and uh, you know, any bit that's kind of a list bit is either going to yeah. make me think of Weird Al or George Carlin. Those yeah. are going to be two guys who do lists better than anybody. But yeah, the Trader Joe's bit stands out. I was hoping it was on this album. I couldn't remember. And yeah, I'm that like, was Thank like God it got here. It's interesting because it's it was the thing that I sent to most people. Mm-hmm. Because I, I I don't know why one it's so funny, um, and he has so much fun telling it, uh-huh. and I think how it functions now I'm like putting on my like true comedy critic hat. Uh-huh. It functions because it happens later in the record mm-hmm. that there's it, it works in two ways. One, it's a it's essentially like a uh, observation plus like an absurd um, f- kind of blowing up of how a thing works or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that is, like, when I send it to people, like, look at this funny thing where this guy's just pretending. But how it functions on the record is, by that point, you already know who Kyle is. Yeah. So then it's just like, oh, this is what this guy does when he's in Trader Joe's. <laughs> right? Right, It's, it's yeah. essentially a story yeah. of Kyle going to Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. This is the story. I went to Trader Joe's, and I stood in place and thought these And thought things. these things. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. And <laughs> those are essentially how it functions both in the record and how it functions separately. Mm-hmm. I, who knows if he thought about it that way? It probably didn't, because, like, why would one? Right. Especially at that point when he, this was his first record. But I think that's why that works. It's, like, it's so discreet, and you can send it off to people. And they're like, I know Trader Joe's. And he's doing voices. Mm-hmm. You know, he's doing... Um, uh, oh, I just remember when he says, like, do not dishonor Trader Ming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was so funny. Um... That's so it's so funny. And then also the insomnia bit. Yes. Is, yeah. Um which is also a flight of fancy, right? It's like mm-hmm. the story of that and that comes at the end, which is it's like Kyle's awake in bed and he this is he comes up with his idea. Um and yeah, I think there's like there is just like a fun rhythm to it and it's interesting that he doesn't do he actually think in this last record he put out or last special he put out it comes a little bit back in more uh-huh it's hard to think because he's done he had a half hour and three hours since this mm-hmm. and a, as i mentioned he you know he constantly is throwing away stuff because he hadn't had the time to record it right um I remember because I've seen him live in between. I'm like, oh, he just that. Where's those jokes? Oh He's my like, god! Oh, you know, I didn't have a special to record. <laughs> um, yeah, and then so this special is a lot of just like tangents. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why actually I think it's best to listen to him in an audio form. Uh huh. Um, because especially compared to Comedy Central. Because Comedy Central has to air 42 minutes of it. Sure. And you know he films an hour and 20 or whatever. Yeah. Hour and 10. 
so they have to cut out this stuff that you cut out which is like um you know he has a tangent on his on the recent record that is cut out where um he's just talking about how um he feels like he's he's fortunate he's uh optimistic but paranoid or something like that mm-hmm. that like at any moment he can like end up like it's going well but then god's going to realize <laughs> and he's going to make him a benihana chef <laughs> and that's just like and it doesn't say in cuz it, it it's and then he just then he just talks about how benihana chefs are the most stressful job mm-hmm. and that's already a tangent but in that there's another tangent about how you know making fun of the idea that chefs are the new rock stars <laughs> and it's so funny oh. he's like he just really, it's so funny, and that just sort of, like, it's not really, like, a takedown or, like, he's making, like, a big point. He just, like, is circulating the absurdity of the idea that it's, mm-hmm. like, like a guy with a neck tattoo of a whisk. First off, like, I like, I believe there really is a Trader Joe. That's the only way I can get through. I don't like the thing, like, oh, it's my last $17 I'm spending on weird microwavable Indian food. I like the... I like to think there's really a Trader Joe that comes in there like late Sunday nights with a pith helmet and a safari jacket. And he comes in after they're closed with like an entire fishing net full of prepackaged items. <laughs> and he tells you, he wants people to believe he travels on some kind of spruce goose type airplane or a large boat. And he just comes in and he, do, he just splays the bounty out. He, you have to call it the bounty at, at Trader Joe's. He splays it out on the floor and he just, oh, oh, the seas were angry. Oh, we lost a few crewmen in the South Pacific, but the island women, oh, the island women. Branch number 847, oh, the island women. I feel like that, like he's eccentric, but like people put up with it, employees put up with it because that's why they get benefits, you know? You know, he's got this potential too, though, where he says some, I think, you, you're right, he's not making a point or going out of his way to make a point, but he says some big shit in this such an unassuming way, I feel like he could get away with more if he wanted. You know, if he became a really political comedian, yeah, I still think he could do it more artfully than a lot of people. Yeah, I, I, I've seen him recently, I actually saw him do a club, like a and it was not right for him. It wasn't bad. It was just like, you know, I so rarely go to club clubs mm-hmm. um, because I just don't like the the energy of okay. it. Okay, all right. And I don't like, um, I'm like very interested in comedy audiences and I don't like, uh, I know when they're laughing wrong. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and... And I don't like how it then reinforces bad behavior in comedians. Sure. That is like the sure. thing of my, if I think of I have any role in the comedy world, it is to like try to make it so audiences know to laugh at better places. Yeah. Yeah. Because then better comedy results, blah, blah, blah. But uh, his rhythm was different, right? So Because he's doing his thing and, you know, he's not doing short sentences mm-hmm. where you're like, the joke's at the end of this sentence because I ended with a hard consonant and it's short. Yeah. You know, he, like, adds adverbs and adjectives and it kind of, like, meanders through or whatever. Um, and so the rhythm was off. and But it was very close to after the election. Mm-hmm. And it, he just, like, 
I need to say something, <laughs> but I don't know what it is. And I actually can't remember said what I don't think I can remember what he even said. But I think um, he, like many comedians, are who, you know, it's interesting that what we call the second comedy boom, whatever you define it as, it's like almost directly correlated with the Obama administration. Yeah, yeah. And so then we have all these comedians who never were political. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a different style of comedy. And now we're all expecting all these people mm-hmm. to like start talking truth to power. Uh-huh. Well, come on, where's the next David Cross coming from? And you're like, <laughs> I don't know. They just like never did that. <laughs> you know? It'd God, be that's like... a really good point, yeah. And I, I don't, I feel, and I never, I'm not, I've never been a huge fan of political comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, because I always feel like, you know, though the jokes might be novelly, novel, uh, phrase novelly, mm-hmm. novel, novel, the, uh, the joke is always the same, which is like, you know, making the same point everyone's making. Sure. Or the opposite, which is like, ooh, I'm making the point people aren't making, uh-huh. which is like, you know, the the grand contrarians of our times. <laughs> um, I used to say that like political comedy is either like salon or slate. Uh-huh. uh-huh. It's either like, yeah, uh, <laughs> racism is bad. You know, like. I mean, yeah, that's true, but, like, hard to, like, really make that interesting comedy. Or, like, what if racism was good? <laughs> and you're like, that's also not interesting. <laughs> right. So it's hard. I think uh, I think a lot of these comedians are have audiences that are expecting it from them mm-hmm. and don't know, you know, really what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have not seen – I can't think of any comedian who I don't think of as political – shift to being more political in a, a way that felt totally natural right. and as good as their other stuff. Sure. Have you? <laughs> oh my God. And it's only been two months, right? So it's right. Like they haven't had that much time to work on no, it. No, and I mean, I feel like the best ones of them are going to, it's just going to be, since they're talking about life, the the adaptation has to just be talking about what life is like now. And, yeah. you know, it's not going to be political necessarily, but the the most political for some of them for the best of them will probably be like this is what life is like now isn't that disappointing here's also my jokes about it like yeah. I don't know that there's gonna be like you know you you don't again you don't need Kyle Kinane speaking yeah. truth to power <laughs> I mean you on I mean we've got late night Colbert's turned the late show into just another Colbert report yeah it's weird that they then have another forty minutes of like regular late night show to do uh huh yeah 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 <laughs> which is like it's a harsh shift and I I it's I've still I think I've not as sold on like the new Colbert show still yet. And uh-huh. I think we've all just accepted that they are and the ratings are good mm-hmm. because it's still totally very weird. Yeah. That, um, you know, I'm, I was about to say famously, but I'm not famous, <laughs> but like I'm a Seth guy. Uh-huh. Um, but I think the nature of that show being smaller allows it, you know, I think the hard part with Colbert now is that, the show needs to feed Colbert as a performer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, like, he'll do a political joke, but then has to, like, do a song about it. Or, uh-huh, like, do uh-huh. Where, like, Seth ain't doing those songs. Right. He's just going to tell some jokes. Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of halfway point between, like, what Seth is doing and what, um, like, James Corden is doing is a weird position to currently be in. And they'll, I, they'll probably figure it out. Um but actually, to be fair, on Kyle's new record, he talks about guns in in a way mm-hmm. that's not 
again, it's not really doing like guns are bad. He has a bit about open carry mm-hmm. and how he annoys it because he always thinks that when they say open carry, they mean alcohol, and then he, when they mean guns. <laughs> they just talked about like if we're gonna have a gun, if we're gonna open carry a gun, like you should at least wear the clothes that are appropriate. To it. <laughs> <laughs> and he just goes he's like he saw a guy with a gun and he's wearing um board shorts <laughs> and he does one of the you know it's a it's an easy move but like to yell off mic mm-hmm. and he just yells like long pants <laughs> you know that you know it's a good joke when you can have somebody tell you the joke and it yeah, still works that's solid that's that's good fucking i know i it's I, craft again to come back to him calling it a craft and 100 percent is and i didn't know pardon me i didn't know that he'd been like you said been doing comedy for 10 years before this damn album came out i mean i know he's yeah. around my age so yeah that blows my mind a little bit yeah it's interesting how we uh it always feels like because uh this i think boom time uh-huh. had like aziz who like started and was already a superstar uh-huh we assume everyone was that <laughs> right. is like the new pace uh-huh. for most comedians it's still like what the pace was which is like takes 10 years to sure. like be a person um you know like i was think, like i realize and i it's almost like unbelievable like before tig put out her first album mm-hmm. she'd been doing comedy for 13 years yeah man. right that's, and that's so long. Yeah, feels like it. <laughs> feels like it. But now it's a little bit different because people are, you know, you're seeing a lot of albums pretty early on. Uh-huh. Um, or at minimum, every we we see a. I feel like the new trend is when you have a half hour, you release your album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, I think he 2009 was still like getting an album was not a thing you took for granted. You're like, oh, right. I got an album. I didn't know that's allowed. <laughs> um. And it's hard to say, like, if, w- as a result of the album, you know, he uh, he says it's on the special, but it in the album, and it is true, he quit his day job, like, literally two weeks before he recorded uh-huh. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the album is also just, like, a, a like, all right, I guess I'm a comedian now. Yeah, yeah. And there is that energy of he talks to, it is that same thing of, like, um, like a co- comedian's like a creative professional. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not like he doesn't. He's not like I'm in showbiz. It's like right. I'm, um, no different than a certain type of person. Yeah. Um, that he speaks to. But also, I think it's like he has that voice, the voice of Comedy Central. Yeah. And I think some of it is. I always. It's a thing that I always wonder, of. Uh, comedians that I like, how much of it is just like, oh, I like their personality and they're like, they just have whatever the cadence and the rhythm of a funny person is. Yeah. Um, Because he has a lot of that in there. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> and uh, I like it. The thing that I always, even looking at it right now, that I find always annoying about his stuff, and I, I wish I just told him that he should change it because it makes it very hard, mm-hmm. is he names the track listings after, like, themes. Uh-huh. So they're not what they are. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. They, these are song titles. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. The house is rocking. Dream Police. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like, Trader Joe's is, I think, writing on the wall. <laughs> holy shit so like, I, what, I hadn't even noticed that i was in such a rush to listen to it that's amazing yeah so like right now i'm like I, it's hard to remember the certain thing <laughs> and it's it's each one like the uh 
the new his newest one the tracks are named after the ingredients of i think uh like a chicago style sausage <laughs> or whatever because like it's called like it'd be like beef pork assorted spices and the, and you're like what? well it's just it's, it's as maddening as reading a david cross list which is one of my favorite album track of any time of, of all time is one track on one of his albums is entitled if baseballs had aids on them which has nothing to do with anything he's talking about he just didn't give a fuck but i like that so so these are themed though but still equally is hard to make yeah out. well you literally can't do anything about it <laughs> and it makes it so you, it's impossible to remember it uh-huh um yeah it's it's even looking at him still annoyed i i I wish i told him that he should stop doing that i should have asked him why he does it and i should ask him to stop um well he probably thinks that i don't think of you know he probably would be like but even this one has discrete things you know there's like yeah i mean track listings i guess is weird because you're like i didn't think of myself as like doing track listings Uh uh-huh you still gotta like throw pierce on a bone, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean it's it, it. This is a great in terms of like an album since it's not a sketch. He's not a sketch comedian. He's not a musician. Yeah, it's a great album experience. It's a full like. Th- there's yeah. nothing bad on here. There's there's not a misstep, now which is insane. It's bad. The the only the like they said the only stuff that seems like might be one or two performance mistakes, and they add to it. Yeah, yeah, you'll, and uh, you know, stumble on a few words. Mm-hmm. And it's somehow perfect. Of yeah. this guy who might have just woken up yeah. and walked in the room. Can I think of now? I really want to think of there's a thing that's weaker. Um, you know, there's it's harder. I guess I'm trying to think. There's there's certain things that feel observational. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a you know there's some joke jokes uh-huh. that um there's the bit about how his parent his his family he comes from like a long line of heroes uh-huh. and. Um, you know, like one fought in World War Two, and one my dad fought in Vietnam, and the closest I got was that I in sixth grade played for a little league team that was sponsored by a funeral home. Uh huh. And people la- and that people laugh at that joke, even though that doesn't make sense. That's yeah. really the setup for, um, because I know what it's like to wear a uniform that thousands of people died for. Uh huh. You're like. That feels like math. <laughs> and he'll probably say the same thing, which is like, mm-hmm. though it's clever, like, what is that for? Right, right, right. Where he has a thing about, like, I remember loving, um, the best ones are the ones where you're like, yeah, that sounds like Kyle Kane, right? It's like, when the his bit about how the Detroit Lions lost uh-huh. every single game and and still got to drive home in a Bentley, right? Uh-huh. It's like, we need, in the punchline, it's like, I'm not saying, um, Policemen and firemen aren't heroes, but we should redefine the definition to include people who can do their job. Yeah, to loot, to do their job wrong every day and still drive home in a bed. Um, that one's great. Man, I didn't realize I can quote so much of it. Um, what's the other one I really like? Um, oh, he talks about selling cake decorations. Uh huh. I didn't. You never feel more like a toothless cog in the machine that's selling cake decorations over the phone. I, I think I get insomnia, you know. Sometimes I don't fall asleep till like a quarter to one or something. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm just up, like I'll watch like, like all of Jimmy Kimmel Live and I just, uh, I think I got insomnia. I really think I got, uh, <clears throat> and so, for those of you that don't know, is it's ba- basically what happens is I'll, I'll lay down in bed and I'll get to that point that 
that that tipping point of you know if if if, if sleep it's, uh, you're laying on the beach and sleep is the encroaching tide licking at your toes it's getting closer and closer to take you away into slumber and right right as you feel your body start to start to float and about to be carried off insomnia is the booming voice that just says, hey Kyle, do you think you could barbecue over a volcano? <laughs> because. Which I think is funny, it's like, it's little lines like that that might seem misanthropic, but again, I, it is obviously an incorrect description of the man, but, I, yes. but that's, that's, that's this, little this little dose of realism here and there that I just, I adore, and it's, it's very, uh, it's uh, very literate, it's, I don't know, there's just something, like, you know he's a smart dude, Yeah. you know that he doesn't, has no desire to be pretentious about it. Yeah, and it's, it's the same thing of like, that's the contrast I think that always he's walking, which is like a, like a dirtbag who also like, there was a thing about he's reading uh i think on the next record he's like uh the story starts with him reading walden and civil uh -huh. disobedience or, and and somehow transitions i think into him forgetting that he was masturbating <laughs> if i if i have that story correctly or that basically like there's it might be that but like those are the things that will happen yeah the story will start with something really pretentious and then he'd be like uh yeah, it's like you know you've hit a new low when you forget that you're masturbating. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, I can really like. But then you know, like so then. Right, I think it might have been two albums ago. He has these sort of like he remembers pop pop ups of like when things he did that's really bad. Mm -hmm. And something like he got a, a blowjob from an underage handicapped person or something. <laughs> oh my god! Or half a blowjob, and he and. I think he's like shied away from that a little, which is uh -huh. like, I'm like, a, you know, it's not even like I'm a man of a, the people I'm uh -huh. like below that. I think, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. like, um, things are going good. Right. And I'm right. not going to, you know, each record things are going better in his career. Sure. <laughs> and I think you like see that. Right. Do you think he's kept the idea though, that it's still a craft and then it's less about, uh, how magical everything is for him or that he like, is, is there still some element of that in, in oh, his that comedy? He's working on? I mean, yeah. like, you know, he, he, the way he talks about it, it's like the reason he writes the jokes to be good, mm -hmm. like to be interesting, I guess, is like to entertain himself almost mm -hmm. because he has to, he's like, if I have to do it every night and it has, to, and I'm bored with it, I'm not going to be good at selling the joke. Sure. So I use these words to entertain myself. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'll throw in words that I'm not totally sure what the meaning of. And if the <laughs> audience laughs, then I'm like, I guess that's what I have the meaning for. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> You know, and I think it's also that he just, he works a lot, right? Yeah. Um, I think he came up with, a, a lot of the guys that he came up with have, you know, part of the reason he is prolific is that, like, stand-up is his number one job. Mm -hmm. Where the guys that he was associated with, like, the Chicago school, which is not really what they're called, but mm -hmm. if you want to call, a lot of them now have, like, a lot of them have TV opportunities and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think he's reflective of all the Chicago guys. Some of them have that same thing mm -hmm. of like, um, coming things to an optimistic point of view instead of a cynical point of sure. view. Sure. So it's like him and Pete Holmes and, um, Kamel. Yep. And, uh, Matt Bronger, TJ Miller. And, 
<laughs> There's so many of those guys. Is it being all this? I think those are all. Oh, Hannibal. Is also oh, sure. Guys. Yeah. And they all kind of knew each other. Uh, and they all kind of have similar notes of that, but are such different people. And they all like came to LA at different times. Um, like Kyle was in LA for a really long time. And that's a really interesting thing, mm-hmm. surprising thing about him. Yeah. Like he was doing comedy in Chicago for only four years. And then he lived in LA for, right. for 60 of the years that he was doing standup. Mm-hmm. Um, where like Pete and Kamal went to New York and TJ Miller became like a movie star first. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's, you know, he's, you see him on screen. You're like, yeah, you should be on screen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, it's like, it's crazy. I know. I was rewatching the second, in the second episode of this, crashing being on tv show mm-hmm. tj comes in in a scene and you're like hey what's tj doing <laughs> just like immediately like and then he's like he wears glasses and you're like well what's that nerd tj miller doing <laughs> um okay so here's here's what i like to ask people towards the end of the sure episode. if you're gonna tell people why why to listen to this album i mean it is his first let's say somebody doesn't know kyle canine's yeah. comedy what's a good reason to give this thing a listen yeah i think i've, I've never thought about that you know i i uh you know, every year I rank specials, mm-hmm. and every year that Kyle has put out a special, he's been in the top three mm-hmm. of it. You know, he was, I think, number two or three two years ago and number one last year. Mm-hmm. But I, I do wonder if you haven't heard him at all, if you hear, like, a 30-minute thing about gout, you're like, who why who is this guy? <laughs> uh-huh. And why am I, like, why should I be so invested in it? Yeah. Um, and also, who has 30 minutes? Right. <laughs> um. And maybe I don't know because I've I've been through this whole ride with a man, so I don't maybe <laughs> anyone, but the I think this record represents um, like what most people want from comedy, which is like oh it's like everything's compact and funny mm-hmm. and there's lots of different types of funny, um, and you know it's essentially like a, I I probably argue that he's probably like the one of the two or three like comedian comics comics of the time mm-hmm. or like the, the last 10 years um and that is because of like the, the specificity of language and um the quality of joke writing sure and, and it's just a really really funny yet like you leave the record feeling better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's how I'd put it. It's, it's like, very true. Yeah. yeah, it's like, it really, it's almost cheesy. Like, <laughs> now you listen back how, like, specific it was about leaving the record feeling better. Uh-huh. But, like, that, that, that taking a shit story really is, like, <laughs> explicitly about, oh, let me try to do a story that's, like, optimistic, but about having to take a shit uh-huh. in a bad bar. <laughs> so that con- combination of, like, really funny. Yeah. Um interestingly worded jokes clear point of view but also like you it feels it's a feel-good record it really is at a time where you know and that was different right i mean like um even you you know you mentioned dave across a few times or you feel like you listen to dave across and you like you might feel worse about that uh-huh, yeah and and that's fine that's his point of view and like mm-hmm. to all teach their own but like you know kyle represents a shift and it's hard to say if he pioneered it or not, but I think the fact that, like, you ask a lot of comedians and they'll be like, Kyle's usually in a lot of people's lists of the people they like to watch sure. or who's the best. I think 
that is um, reflects a sort of maybe a shift of like how he's influenced people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at minimum, like it's really funny. Yeah, it really, it's like I haven't listened to it in a while because he has new records that I listen to. But this still really, you know. I remember it, it got me then, it got me now. That part where he talks about um, the, you don't get good Chicago-style deep dish pizza in L.A. I, I me- it was always my favorite jokes, and it still is like, not only do they not have, I can't remember what it was, but it's like, not only do they not have relish, but <laughs> it's a bunch of books or something. Yeah. It's a bunch, it's so, it really is, um, like, I think what people should want from a comedy record. Absolutely. I mean, I can tell you after almost two months straight of listening to a comedy album a day, yeah. this is like, uh, there are a ton of clunkers in there. And yeah. this one, for being an album that's only eight damn years old, it's yeah. kind of upsetting that it's as good as it is. Yeah, and this is not his best material. I mean, like, again, sure. I think it's hard to, I, I think his most recent album, or, Again, everything should listen. The last two were freaking fantastic. Mm-hmm. But because these are more discreet, it feels more like, oh, you can say this one, this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and which happens a lot. People's first record. Like, you can like, I can name certain bits from Hannibal's first record uh-huh. because everything is like, oh, pigeons and pickle juice and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but he's a better comedian now, which is mm-hmm. harder to point out because everything is a little bit longer. Um, it's also like, I, I think... You know, partly because I I praise him constantly, and I'm part of the people who like write about comedy of a time. I think you know it will be remembered as like a uh, a seminal record of um whatever this time in comedy is. That's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. Um, yeah, please everybody listen to it. Uh, like I said, it is available on vinyl, which uh, you know. That's right, nerds. I'm sticking to the vinyl thing for as long as I possibly can. I'm, <laughs> there's a while, you know, a couple of years back, early on, I was like, I would give people exceptions because I was struggling for guests. I was like, yeah. come on, just come on the show. Yeah. We'll talk about whatever the fuck. But it's, it's it's nice that, like, a newer thing I can actually get on vinyl, and it is really gorgeous. Like, I can, you know. Yeah, I think most of his records he puts out on vinyl mm-hmm. just because he uh, is hipster Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, and of course. Like that's part of the aesthetic. <laughs> um, where can people find you? What do you have to promote? I Let me look and see when this is coming out, but what, sure, where can I mean, people the find things you? I have to promote are the things i'm gonna have to promote uh yeah uh twitter at jesse david fox and the, the main thing which is i think people who listen to this podcast will enjoy a lot i have a podcast of my own uh it's called good one colon a podcast about jokes it's a podcast about jokes um every week a comedian picks one of their jokes and we just talk about the joke for like 45 minutes. And you're like, how can someone talk about a joke for 45 <laughs> minutes? And yet every time we do it, it's like, actually, I'm surprised. I was nervous when I picked the premise. Yeah. Um, Kyle Kinane is a guest. Uh, I don't know when that one will come out, but he picked a joke from Death of the Party. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one is the funniest episode. The, the podcast isn't always funny. It's like often very <laughs> serious. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's really deep divey. And, um, but that one is really funny. Because he just like remembers that time and it's and he's really good at it. But mm-hmm. uh, Weird Al talks about word crimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kristen Shaw talks about um, a bit from her first half hour. Awesome, and that was really great. Jen Kirkman is really good. She talks about the closer of her most recent special, which is one of the great jokes. Mm-hmm. It and now I feel like I should just be plugging Kristen uh, <laughs> Jen Kirkman's special, but the closer is incredible, and she and the amount of thought she put into it is 
why I started this part podcast mm-hmm. is to be like, look, this is how much thought went into eight minutes of this thing. Yeah. Uh, Tig Notaro talks about Taylor Dane. Awesome. The I th- what I would probably say is the joke that um, helped her then transition into then the comedian that who I think is the best comedian working. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to say comedian alive because it's like comedians who were better or like who were like the all time greats are still alive, but mm-hmm. maybe but. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those are the, so it's uh good if you like jokes and want to know how it works. This is it's a podcast for you. It's called Good One, a podcast about jokes. Comes out every Monday uh, at Good One Podcast. Um, also Vulture dot com is where I uh, write stuff awesome. like this. Awesome, that's perfect. Um, you guys should check out the comedy album a day thing that I'm doing on YouTube. There are little previews on Instagram. Go to YouTube dot com slash comedy on vinyl. Uh, still go see my damn movie, my uh, Lords of Soaptown. Go to ly forward slash Soaptown DVD. Came out in December. You can get the DVD. We'll be streaming shortly somewhere. I'll let you guys know when. Um, and that's about it. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. It was oh, a lot of thank fun. Thank you for having me. I was, I've been wanting to do it for a while. I just haven't been in Los Angeles. I know it's it's impossible. <laughs> this is this is what happens. Most of the times, if I Skype, and I would prefer to do it in person. Oh, no, you I, know? I don't want to do a phone. Yeah, those are not fun. I do them a lot, but they're not (laughs) fun. Um, And as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune into the new Stand Up channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Podcast.